Well, amen and amen in the midst of uh, all that happy birthday. There's another birthday boy here. We share a birthday. His was quite a few years before mine. Or was it after? Not too many. Is, is it today your birthday? Oh, I'm talking about the guy behind you now. Let me tell you something. January 7th, no matter the years, special day for the Lord. He sent some very special people into this world. There's three of us diagonally right across here. Another one. Where's another January 7th? Nick, is yours today? April. Well, I mean, not everybody could be born on January 7th. Well, anyway, happy birthday, brother, and happy birthday to you, brother. I sent him a text early this morning, and Calvin, in fine fashion, you too. That's the text I got back from Calvin. Well, here we are, the first Sunday of 2024. I want you to consider with me what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it will be used as a verse that will catapult us into some other scriptures and then come back to it with closing scriptures. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, that means hidden, it is veiled, that means hidden, to those who are perishing. But listen to verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age, that be the devil, has blinded who do not believe. Now I want you to think about verse 4. Because when I read that, I thought to myself, Paul just unwrap some words that's usually wrapped tightly together. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, that word blind in there. When somebody says to me blind, it makes me think of eyes. It makes me think of seeing. If you tell me somebody's blind, I immediately think they've got an eye problem. If I say to you somebody's blind, I'm just assuming because blind and eyes and sight are so tightly bound together, we cannot say the word blind without automatically tying with it eyes and sight. Am I anywhere close to right? I guess I'm the only one that ties blind with eyes. I thought for sure everybody would do that. I think we all do that. So why did it get my attention? Because if I would have wrote verse 4, I would have wrote, Whose eyes the God of this age has blinded. Because I tie eyes with blinded. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he didn't write eyes. He wrote, but the minds that the God of this age, that's the devil, has blinded. Now come on, I don't even tie mind with blind. I tie eyes with blind. 
Because you see, listen closely to me, the eyes tell us what we can do. But the mind determines what we will do. You want me to say that again for you? The eyes tell us what we can do, good or bad. We can look at something and say, man, that's bad. And we know we can do it because our eyes tell us we can. We look at something that's good, we look at it, and our eyes tell us we can do that. Is everybody staying with me? But it's the mind that determines, I'm not going to do that that's bad. It's the mind that determines, I am going to do that which is good. So have you followed me? The eyes tell us what we can do. The mind determines what we will do. Have you ever heard anybody say, I've made up my eyes, I'm going to do it. Now used to you could say that, but nowadays you ladies that's got four foot long eyelashes, your eyelashes get there moments before you do. So you've made up your eyes. But in context, listen to me. Nobody's ever said, I've made up my eyes, I'm not going to do that which is bad. I've made up my eyes, I'm going to do that which was good. No. You say, I've made up my mind, I'm going to abstain from that which is bad, or I've made up my, not eyes, my mind, I'm going to do that which is good. But I believe Paul meant what he wrote, wrote what he meant when he says it's the mind that the God of this age who is the devil, it's the mind that the devil's blinded. See, the devil's got a unique way, if you're listening, say I am, to give you some thoughts in your mind and make you think they're your own. But all the time, He's the one that has uniquely placed those thoughts in your mind. That's what Paul's saying. So I'm here to tell you, Paul wrote what he meant, meant what he wrote. And the Bible says much about our thinking. Doesn't the Bible say in Philippians 4, 8... These things, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are, are good report, whatever things has any virtue, or whatever thing has any praise worth, what? Meditate or think upon these things. And when we think on anything that's not like that, then we're letting the devil affect our thinking. Now, I know that the devil gives you some thoughts that's not your thoughts, and let me give you an example. I'm going to preach today a very simple sermon. You ready? On serving the Lord, on souls for the Lord, and on salvation from the Lord. And when I get done preaching that, I know some of you is not serving. And you need to use these altars today to commit to serving the Lord. And I know some of you, it's not the soul winners that you need to be. And I'm telling you right now, you need to visit these altars to commit to soul winning. 
And I'm just telling you, I'm going to preach a simple sermon, and it's not just going to be on serving and soul winning. It's going to be on salvation. And with the crowd this size, listen to me, some of you need to visit these altars today and just plain old-fashioned get saved. But just to prove to you that the devil can get your thoughts, some of you already went through your mind, I'm not going to them altars. Let me tell you what you just done. You ready? You let the devil do your thinking. So here, this first Sunday of the new year, guess what I'm going to preach? Don't let the devil do your thinking. You ready for it? Don't let the devil do your thinking. I've done give you the points. Don't let the devil do your thinking when it comes to serving the Lord. See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, many people know that well because it tells us it's by grace, through faith, that you've been saved. It tells us that our salvation comes by grace, and it's through faith, and it tells us it's that not of ourselves, it is a gift from God. Verse 9 says, it is absolutely not of works, lest anybody should boast. So before I go to verse 10, let me preach there just a little bit on don't let the devil do your thinking. See, there's often those that serve the Lord. They didn't start out that way, but they serve the Lord. They get busier serving the Lord. And all of a sudden, because the ways of the world, you get things by working for them. All of a sudden, they've got, whether they know it or not, in their mind, they have put a works salvation. Man, the more I work, the more I'm saved. Absolutely not. Not according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Salvation has nothing to do with works. And then if we're not careful, listen, we can let the devil do our thinking and automatically we can put works along the side of our salvation like we work our way to heaven. And that's not the case. If you think that, the devil's doing your thinking. And then, boy, we really get to serving the Lord. We get to preaching here, preaching there. We get to loving there and giving here. All of a sudden, if we're not careful because of our performance, we get to thinking God loves us more than He loves anybody else. I want you to look up here and I want you to listen. God don't no more love Billy Graham any more than He loves the biggest drug addict, addict there is in this country. Go ahead. And if you think that the Lord loves somebody that works and serves more than somebody that's still addicted and off in sin, let me tell you something. You're letting the devil do your thinking. Because God so loved the world that He extended to them the grace that appears to all men, bringing salvation to anyone that will accept Him. So I'm just here to tell you, when it comes to serving the Lord... Those of you that's got your hands to the plow, nose to the grind, if you think for one half a second your salvation comes by works, the devil's doing your thinking. If you think by any means, because you work and serve the Lord, that the, love, the Lord loves you any more than he loves anybody else in the world, let me tell you something, the devil's doing your thinking. But the flip side of those that are serving, unless they, unless they get to thinking uh, wrongly and the devil gets to thinking that, that their salvation is going to get them to heaven or their love more because of their works. Look here. Here comes verse 10. Because there's a lot more people sitting on their blessed assurance that's not doing a thing. 
And it says right here, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You don't work to get saved. Because you got saved, you go to work. Do you understand that? And I just want you to know, if you are not serving the Lord, the devil's doing your thinking. I mean, you ask somebody to serve... And here comes this thought that you think's your thought, and I hear it often, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to serve the Lord. I mean, if you're here today and you think you're too busy to serve the Lord, I'm going to let you in on something. The devil is doing your thinking. Ephesians 5.16 tells every one of us born again children of God to redeem the time. I sound like a broken record around here telling you every one of us are equal in one thing and that is that every day is equal and every one of us have 24 hours in that day. And one of these days you are going to stand before God and what you've done in those 24 hour days. And if you think you're too busy to serve the Lord, look at me and listen to me. The devil is doing your thinking. Nobody's too busy to serve and praise the Lord. And I'm often asked, what do you, what's God gonna have to do to slow you down? I said, it's real evident. He's gonna have to speed a lot more people up. And folks, that's biblical. He looked for someone to stand in the gap and found, and we're told to go, so I'll answer your question. For you guys that think I go too much. Tell you what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to let the devil quit doing some people's thinking. He's going to have to speed some more folks up. There's a lot of people that are doing a lot more than they was ever called to do, but they've got such a heart. And I'm just here to tell you, I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you, there's some people need to answer the call. And when some more people answer the call, there'll be some of them that can slow down. Getting awful quiet. But where I was blessed is when I was in Molino, Florida, a few weeks ago. And that Porter family just amazes me. Not a church, a family, Bryce, that cooks and buys the steaks to feed 450 men once a month. Pays for a speaker to come in once a month and speak to those guys. That amazes me. Built a barn, spend the money to do all that they do. But when they pick me up at the airport, they're always quick to take me to lunch. But they're always quick to say, I'm going to drop you off and let you get ready for this evening. But i got to go to a closing. See, i got to go to show a piece of property. Let me tell you about the Porters. They have a very huge and successful realty business. But they never let that affect the busyness they have in the real estate business. They never let that affect the time that they serve the Lord. And so I'm here to ask you, are you serving the Lord? And if you're one of those that you say, I don't have time, let me let you in on something. You're letting the devil do your thinking. But then secondly, what? well, I'd serve the Lord, but I don't have much to offer. Man, I don't really have a spot. They don't need me, really. You ready? Romans 12, 4. For as we have many members, look around, in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Ready for the last statement in that verse? Let us use them. 
Every one of us have a gift. Every one of us have a talent. There's nursery workers needed. There's kitchen workers needed. There's prayer warriors needed. There's soul winners needed. There is all kinds of needs in the body of Christ. And for you to say when it comes to the serving the Lord, I don't have nothing to offer. That's hogwash. That's the devil doing your thinking. You're saying, they don't need me. If God sent you here, we need you. We need you to put your hands to the plow and nose to the grind. And if you're not serving because you don't think we need you, listen, you're listening to the devil. The devil's doing your thinking for you. This church needs you. It needs you to step up. And it needs you to serve the Lord with whatever gift that He's given to you. And if you say you don't have time and you're not needed, I'm here to tell you upon the authority of the Scriptures that I just give you, you're letting the devil do your thinking. But secondly... Don't let the devil do your thinking, not only in serving the Lord, don't let the devil do your thinking when it comes to souls for the Lord. I want you to understand that Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things which He has commanded. Let me just tell you something. Matthew 28 and 19, are you with me? Say, I am. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. In Acts chapter 1, he says, When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be witnesses to me. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. Acts chapter 1, 8 is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. And you've heard me say it before, in my sanctified imagination, on the day that Jesus was ascending back to heaven on a cloud, and He had two men standing there watching, and He had just given them Acts chapter 1-8. What if they would have got, if Jesus just got a little ways, and they get to thinking about overwhelming, sharing their faith, and winning souls, and they say, hey Jesus, wait a minute, and He just kicks that cloud in neutral. Turns His head back down and says, what is it, boys? And what if they said something like, what if this don't work? What if it would have been Jesus' reply from that cloud that day? Well, in my sanctified imagination using the Scriptures, I just have to think He would have looked down and He says, there is no plan B, men. It will work if you will work it. And He ascended onto heaven. Do you realize that if souls are going to be one, it's up to you and I to share our faith? In the Lord Jesus. We have a commandment to do that. And if you're not listening to that command, look at me, listen to me, you're letting the devil do your thinking. Now let me tell you what happened this morning. We was back up in the cabin because our home was rented out. And so that cabin is small enough, nobody, if one person gets up, everybody in the cabin is getting up. Or at least pulling covers over their head and with a little body language letting you know they're not glad you're up. So this morning when I got up from that cabin, the first time I looked at the clock, man, I didn't like it. It was 3.38. I tried to toss and turn and man, I didn't want to get up. And I thought, my wife sure won't like if I get up. Because this is a cabin. This ain't the house you can slip out of the bedroom and shut that bedroom door. So I get up and I sneak out the cabin door and I fire up her Toyota Highlander. And I turn the heat seater on, the, the seat heater on high. 
I run the temperature up past 90 to high, and I run the fan up to high, and in my T-shirt and shorts, I run back in the cabin and sit there for a minute because it was way too cold to sit in that toy. I started it to let it warm up. My wife rolls over. I don't know what you guys' wives look like when they woke up, but she goes to looking out the window of that cabin, and she looks over at me, and she says, why is my car started? <laughs> Boy, I so much wanted to be the husband of the year and say, I just wanted it to be warm and cozy when you got out and got in it. And she'd have probably said at 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, because I wanted you to sleep tight, have a good morning, and so I'm going to ease out and study in your car. I didn't like the language I got, but that's what I got. So I go out trying to be the husband of the year, study outside in a warm car, let her sleep in the big old cabin, all 10 by 20 of it. And I wrote down these points, but when I come to this point, now listen to me, I really didn't have an illustration other than if you're not winning souls, you're letting the devil do you thinking. But Saturday, Don and I took my truck over to Jack's to get some work done on it, and Don and I were headed back, and I know this is prior, but in Telequal, two years ago yesterday, Telequal lost a very well-known young man, Kyle Roselle. Man, it's broke his daddy's heart. I call his daddy on Christmas. I pray with his daddy. And we just made the comment, Kyle Roselle, a young man, veterinarian, young man, two little kids and a wife. I said, today is the day he died. I don't know if it was one year ago or two years ago. That was our conversation yesterday. Pretty much what where we ended when we dove off to bed. Well, when I walked back in, she was up. She said... To answer the question that we was pondering yesterday, Kyle Roselle yesterday would have been gone two years. She said, have you ever watched that video? I said, nope, but I heard about it. I was out of town on his funeral. This man knew he was going to die. Now look here. He preached his own funeral. Videoed off a horse. That's what they played at his funeral. Can you imagine? She said, I watched that video. Now, remember, I didn't have an illustration. I come in, and she said, you know how he ends the video? I said, I've never seen the video. He said, he ends the video by saying this. Guys, gals, if there's one thing I regret, it's not being more vocal in sharing my Christ. He said, I'm saved. I know where I'm going. I'm in a win-win situation. But please listen to me. If there's one regret that I have, it's not being more vocal about sharing my faith. Why didn't Kyle share his faith? You ready? He let the devil do his thinking. Because Kyle's just like you and he's just like me. If we're saved, there's no doubt that God lays people on our heart. There's no doubt that he laid people on Kyle's heart. There's no doubt that he lays people on your heart. And when he lays people on your heart, you can't say, well, it's not really the time. I'll do that another day. They're going to reject me. Guess what? The Scripture says they will reject you. They rejected Christ. 
Guess what? If he lays you, lays somebody on your heart, guess what time it is? It's time to go share your faith with that person. Because if God laid that person on your heart, he's probably ready that person for you to share with. Are you with me? And so there's the illustration. Let me say from a guy that died early in life and preached his very own funeral. He said to a whole crowd that day two years ago, if I've got one regret, it's not sharing my faith and being more focal about Christ. And the only reason there is that he didn't is he let the devil do his thinking. I don't want the devil to do my thinking when it comes to soul winning. I don't want to let that devil put that thought in my mind. Oh, now's not the time. Hey, now is the time. I don't want him to put that in my mind. That person will reject me. It doesn't matter if they reject me. He put them on my mind for a reason. If you are not a faith sharer, if you do not share your faith, there's only one reason you don't. You ready? The devil is doing your thinking for you. If you're not serving the Lord, there's one reason you're not. The devil's doing your thinking for you. But now let me just finish this up by saying you don't want the devil to do your thinking when it comes to salvation. I told you that 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 would catapult us into the sermon, but we would come back to it. In context, guess what 2 Corinthians 4 4 is talking about? It's talking about salvation. And guess what? It's veiled, it's hidden to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has what? Blinded who do not believe. See, I'm fixing to share with you what the devil's going to put in your mind. Some of you know you're lost. You know if you died right now, you'd split hell wide open. And you're going to have an opportunity to come to Jesus, by the way, as the only one that can forgive you, the only one that can save you. And you're going to have an opportunity to come forward and do that today. But here's what a lot of people's going to do. They do it every Sunday. They sit right there in the chair and they let the devil do the thinking for them. So what does the devil do? Preacher's preaching on salvation. He says Jesus is the only way. You know that. You know you're a sinner. You know you've come short of the glory of God. And he's begging for you to get saved. And guess what? The devil's got that unique way of putting some thoughts in your mind. What are they? Well, maybe you're thinking today, well, I I can't go up there. I wouldn't know what to say. And you know, sometimes when we've been in church so long, we think that's a little bit crazy. But isn't it terrible? Come on, Christians. How sometimes we get in church so long, we got church lingo. And what's sad is sometimes it's not real easy to understand. And sometimes it's our very own fault that they have that mindset. I'll go up there, but I don't know what to say. Heard a preacher one time say, there's many in this room that are depraved. And here in a moment, you'll have a chance to come up here and receive the vicarious atonement of Jesus Christ for your propitiation if you'll just realize your depravity. Would you come? What? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's people that's been in seminary for years that don't understand what he just said. And the reason I say the devil... When I'm going to give you an opportunity to be saved and receive Jesus Christ, some of you is going to let the devil do your thinking and you're going to say, I don't know what to say. I know that's true because a preacher told the story one time of him preaching one night and a lady come to him and said, man, the Lord touched my heart and I needed to be saved, but I just couldn't come up. And the preacher said, why didn't you come up? She said, I just didn't know what to say. I scared to death. I wouldn't know what to say. I'm going to give an invitation here in a minute. 
Don't let the devil do your thinking and don't let your thinking be in, I don't know what to say. Let me tell you what, if you get out of your chair, if the Lord's speaking to your heart and come up here, just five words will be sufficient. I need to be saved. Amen. And then so, listen, don't let, don't let you worrying about what you'll say. Don't let the devil do your thinking. But secondly, what, what else would happen that would keep somebody from coming? What else would the devil make you think? I'm too old. I mean, I, I think of people that sit in church and they've got a little age on them and they come to church when they get a little age and I can just imagine what the devil, extend the invitation. They say, I'm too old. Let me tell you something, you're not too old. I think of Pete Adams. I think of my grandma. I think of people that was in their upper 80s. My grandma, 92 years old, give her life to Jesus. I think about a lady coming and giving her life to, to, to Jesus at a church service. And when the pastor asked her how old she was, she stood up there and with a big old smile and said, I'm 95. So if you're here, there's only two of you that look older than that. When you leave here, you guess which two you are. If the devil makes you think you're too old to be saved, let me tell you what you're guilty of this morning. You're letting the devil do your thinking. Let me tell you, the older they are, the more ripe they are for salvation. Amen. Then what's the flip side of I'm too old? I know our kiddos are up there, but young people, listen to me. If Jesus is talking to you by way of Holy Scripture and Holy Spirit, don't you let the devil make you think, I'm too young. Now us people that's dealt with kids in these altars, look at me and listen to me. Don't we wish the Bible just give us an age? But it don't. Man, when a little old kid comes forward and wants to be saved, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's a tough deal. Man, we want to make sure they understand it. And let me just tell you what I've kind of come up with. I heard a sermon one time, and what I've kind of come up with, uh, you just got to kind of look at the kid. And here's what you, here's what you can look at. You ready? Number one, their intellect. This may surprise you, but some kids are just smarter than other kids. My grandkids are smarter than your grandkids. We say that chuckling. Listen to me. We all know some kids just pick up on things quicker than others. So when you think about the age of salvation, I think all of us that counsel with them kids, we got to consider intellect. I mean, you can talk to them just a minute and see how much they understand about it, right? But number two, when a young person comes, let's, let's kind of look at the intellect, see how much they understand. But secondly, let's look at their instruction. Where'd these kids come from? I wasn't raised in church. I didn't have a family that opened a family Bible. I didn't, I didn't have a family that, that, that done Bible study and some. So listen, not only, I didn't have much instruction as a young man and I didn't have a whole lot of intellect. It took me till I was 30. But look here, you take a kid, I believe they hear scriptures and prayers in the womb. I just believe that. And you take a kid, if you don't believe that, that the minute they come out of that womb and they live in a home where there's prayer, they live in a home where there's a Bible open, they, they, they have been brought to church since the first Sunday they got out of, out of, out of the hospital. And listen, the parents said, I tell you what, let's build their immune system, throw them in the nursery right off the bat. They've been every day, every Sunday of their life, they've been in church. Are you with me? They've had the right instruction. 
That kid's probably going to come to Jesus at a younger age because of the instruction that he's had. Are you with me? And then you got to look at the interest. Not only the intellect of the child, not only the instruction that the child's been under, but you got to look at the interest. I'm talking to my children's workers and I'm talking to people that's in this church that is full of kids. When a kid comes up to you like Tate did at the age of nine a few weeks ago and said, I want to be baptized. You know what his interest was in? Being saved. He just tied baptism to salvation. When somebody gets saved, they go, so listen, I want to join the church. I want to be baptized. When a kid says that to you, you know what they're saying? I have an interest in lining my life up with Jesus Christ. And right back there on those chairs, I took Tate and I just simply said, listen, you want to be baptized, there's a prerequisite. That's a big word for a kid. But pre means before you get baptized. We explained it. I said, listen, you got to get saved. And I shared with him, not only listen with the ears on the side of your head, but from this moment on, Tate, when you're in children's church, when you're in Sunday school, when you're out here in the preaching, you be listening with the eyes of your heart. Here's a kid that's had a little intellect. Here's a kid that's had the right instruction. Here's a kid that had the interest. And a lot of people say, nine years old, did he really get saved? I believe he really got saved because, my dear friends, he had been instructed right. He Listen, he had the intellect to understand the instructions and he had an interest in escaping hell and making heaven. And thank God Tate didn't let the devil do his thinking. And so look here. I don't know what to say. That's the devil. I'm too old. That's the devil. I'm too young. If you understood what I just said, you're not too young. That's the devil. But then look right here. Oh, I'm a pretty good old boy. (laughs) According to who? You? Because let me tell you what the Scripture thinks about you being a pretty good old boy. There's none good. No, not one. So if you think you're good enough to escape hell, you just let the devil do your thinking. You're not. What's the flip side of I'm good enough to make heaven? Come on, don't let the devil do your thinking. I'm too bad. I mean, isn't it something? We got some people that think they're good enough to get to heaven, and we got people that think they've been too bad to get to heaven. And I'm just here to tell you you're not good enough to get into heaven. And if that's you, the devil's doing your thinking. And if you're here, let me just make it real short, and you think you're too bad to get to heaven, the Apostle Paul called himself what? The chief of sinners. He was born again, and he was saved. He was a bad, bad, bad man. And if the chief can get saved, so can all the little Indians. Amen? So you're not bad enough. So if you think you're too bad to get the forgiveness of God, you're letting the devil do your thinking. Here in a moment, some of you need to be saved, and here's what the devil's going to try to convince you of. He's just got a unique way of getting your thoughts and making them think they're yours. He's going to tell you you can do that later. Huh? He's going to tell you you can do that later. Can I tell you the Bible says today is the day of salvation? Now is the accepted time? And I just want to tell you, if you're here today and you're lost, you need to get saved. Anybody get that prayer request on Lindsey Russell? Sits right over here with a smile on her face. 42 years old. 
Finally got her past put under the blood of Jesus. Finally got her a job and was going the right direction. Got her a fiancé and things was looking good. When I talked to Joey, her fiancé yesterday, he said, we was just eating. And she just stood up. And she just looked at me funny. And she collapsed. 42 years old. Collapsed. Dead before she hit the floor. Oh yeah, they got some machines on her and got a little life. But I'm convinced she died right there according to what Joey told me. Are you listening to me? She was 42 years old and looked as healthy as a horse. And if you're here today, let me tell you, brain aneurysms, they're not partial. And if you're here today, don't you believe for one half of one second that you're promised tomorrow. And if you need to be saved and you say, I'll do that later, let me tell you what you're guilty of. You're guilty of letting the devil do your thinking. Amen. Some of you need to get saved. You don't know what to say? Don't worry about that. Don't let the devil do your thing. Too old, too young, don't let the devil do your thing. I'm too, I'm good enough. No, you're not. I'm too bad. No, you're not. You may not have tomorrow. Don't let the devil do your thinking. And here's the one that gets me. You're out trying to win souls. Are you safe? I've been baptized. That ain't what I ask you. Well, my mom and dad said I was, I was sprinkled as a kid. That ain't what I ask you. There's a lot of people out there. They've been baptized, washed in the water, but they've never been washed in the blood. And if you're here today and you know that you need to be saved and you sit there and you say, well, I've already been baptized. Let me tell you what you're guilty of. You're letting the devil do your thinking. Junior Hill went on to be with the Lord, one of the greatest preachers I've ever heard in my life and had the privilege of hearing him about a month after I got saved. I love Junior Hill. I don't know if there's anybody that could preach expositorily any better than Junior Hill. And I know there's absolutely not one preacher any more humble than Junior Hill was. He went on to be with the Lord just this last week. And he gave an illustration of baptism being on the right side of salvation and even baptism being some people's hope of salvation. And he said, now all you young ladies out there, you've got this picture of Mr. Wonderful. He said, you think he's going to be tall and skinny and handsome and he's really going to be short and fat and ugly. That's what he said. He said, but nevertheless, you keep hoping for Mr. Wonderful and I'm just telling you, he won't look like you think he looks like. But he's coming. But just suppose here that this old fat preacher, he said, on the way to preach here, stopped and got him a box of Cracker Jacks. And he come in, eating them, and he got to that Cracker Jack prize right before he got in the building, and it was a little plastic wedding ring. And he just handed to you he, he saw you, a handsome young lady, and he just handed that to you and said, Here, here's your Cracker Jack wedding ring. And man, you just put that thing on your finger. 
And he said, and you've just kind of chuckled. That fat preacher gave that to you, and you've just wore that. And then all these years pass, and Mr. Wonderful, even though he don't look like what he looked, what you thought he would, he shows up. You're standing in the altar one day. And the minister says to Mr. Wonderful, after the vows are exchanged, would you take your ring that you're holding there and put on that the ring finger of your new bride? And Mr. Wonderful takes your, reaches for your hand and you pull it back and you say, Oh no, I don't have a ring. A preacher by the name of Junior Hill give me that one day. He said, That sounds kind of crazy, don't it? That somebody wouldn't cha- exchange a plastic Cracker Jack ring for a real wedding ring. Junior Hill looked out there and he said, Some of you's got a Cracker Jack baptism. And he said, you need to exchange it today for the real thing. You need to come and get saved and get a real baptism. Because a Cracker Jack baptism won't keep you out of hell and get you into heaven. You with me? Some of you today know you need to get saved. You got a Cracker Jack baptism and you know it. Don't let the devil do your thinking for you today. Five minutes till. You guys thought I was messing with you when I said the last sermon of New Year that's going to get shorter and simpler and hopefully sweeter. Five minutes till and I'm done. You know what I've done? For 30 years, I let the devil do my thinking. One Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, when I knew the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to me about my salvation... You know what I decided that Tuesday morning? I'm not going to let the devil do my thinking. And I got saved. And right after that, I went to serving the Lord. I ain't always served the Lord. You know why? For 30 plus years, I let the devil do my thinking. I hadn't always preached. I ain't always shared my faith. And you know the reason I didn't? For 30 years, look at me. I let the devil do my thinking. Could I just encourage you here this morning? Whatever you need to do with God, do it. If it's serving, get up here and commit to it. Don't let the Lord, don't let the devil do your thinking and keep you from doing the Lord's work. You need to be better at soul winning. Ninety percent of Christians, according to stats, never share their faith. Why, Rob? Because they let the devil do their thinking. If you've been doing that, altars are open. And if you need to get saved today, you've sat there Sunday after Sunday, sermon after sermon, knowing you need to get saved. And you've let the devil do your thinking during the time of invitation. Don't let the devil do your thinking today. If you're lost, I'll meet you right here in front of this pulpit and show you from the Scriptures how to be saved. Bottom line, don't let the devil do your thinking. Let's all stand. Father, I just come to you right now. and Father, we often let the devil do our thinking. We see what needs to be done, but our mind, the devil puts the thoughts in there and we never do what needs to be done when it comes to serving you, when it comes to souls for you. 
And some even here today know that they need to be saved. And they're letting the devil do their thinking. Father, the altars are open. Whoever needs to come, I pray that they'll do their own thinking and let it line up with your Holy Spirit and your Holy Scriptures. And with that being said, may everyone be pleasing in their decision and their move today to you and not let the devil do their thinking. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.